I mean, how many times have we gone on social media, your Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is? Do you ever go on and you're on it for a while and you're scrolling through and you're looking at all the different things? Do you ever leave that experience and think to yourself, wow, I feel, I feel so much better. I feel energetic. I feel alive. I feel confident. I, I feel ready to tackle the challenges of my day after scrolling through Instagram for 15 minutes. No, I mean, I don't think many of us feel that way, right? You, you leave feeling more anxious, more depressed. You, you feel lazy or lethargic or just more confused or you, you don't even know where the time's been. You thought you were on the phone for five minutes and it was an hour. I mean, this is a real problem. Obsessive connection disorder is a real problem. All grown up. Hey everybody, this is Paul Ingoni and welcome to a new episode of the All Grown Up Podcast. We talk about life in your 20s, your 30s, about how hard and important it is, and we do it with hopefully as much truth, hope, and hilarity as I can humanly muster. This is Paul Ingoni. I'm the author of books like 101 Secrets Your 20s, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, and let's be honest, your 30s too. My new book comes out March 2021. 25 lies, 20-somethings need to stop believing. And today we are going to talk about such a huge problem. A huge lie that we have bought into, I have bought into, I'm coming forth as a guilty culprit when it comes down to this problem. And I think most of us are struggling with this. If we're going to be honest with ourselves, if we're going to look in the mirror and really see what's there, I think most of us can say, yeah, I struggle with this lie. And the lie is, I need to be constantly connected. The lie that we're struggling with is, I need to be constantly connected. Whatever year you're listening to this in, whether it's 2020, 2021, or beyond, this is only going to become more and more of a problem. We are addicted, literally addicted to being connected. Whether it's your phone, your computer, most likely your phone, or your watch, or whatever new invention has come out while you're listening to this, this is only becoming more and more of a problem. And more and more studies are showing that, and we'll get to some of those. I'm going to quote some of these. I mean, the studies that they're starting to do about what the effects are on us, on our mental state, on our emotional state, it's alarming. It really is alarming. So in my book, 25 Lies, 20-somethings need to stop believing, I talk about this at length. And I call it kind of a different kind of OCD. I've talked about obsessive comparison disorder before. I'm not trying to make light of obsessive compulsive disorder. But now I think we're struggling with obsessive connection disorder. Literally. And I think I'm talking about it in such stark terms because it, it literally is an addiction. And more and more researchers, social scientists, psychologists are doing these studies that saying, yes, it is like other addictions, that checking your phone, getting information, staying constantly connected is giving each of us a new dopamine hit, which is similar to what you would get with food or with drugs, uh, something that is giving you that stimulus, that high, so to speak. And it might not be the healthiest action that you're taking, but you're giving yourself that dopamine hit. And that is what is taking place. And studies are showing that when it comes to our obsessive connection disorder. And really, I mean, you don't have to look too far to see the effects. Or I mean, some of them are somewhat humorous in the the sense of, you know, go and YouTube uh, text, text falls. 
you know, or texting and, uh, and uh, f- you know, fail falls or whatever it is. Basically, you can watch a whole compilation of, of people caught on video texting and walking on their phone. And they literally walk right into a fountain and fall in head first, like at a mall, you know, one of those big mall uh, pools. And the person is just on their phone walking face first right into the in the fountain or falling down stairs or, you know, going right into the street and not even realizing it. I mean, how many times have you seen this? Have you done this where it's we're on our phone and we're literally crossing a busy street and we're not even looking up? Like somehow our phone has transported us into some different universe that, that, you know, if I get hit by a car, that's not real. It's like, I'm in a video game. I'm on my phone. I can't get hit. You know, and then obviously the more serious effects of texting while driving and the dangers of that, but we'd literally rather be checking that newest update, going and getting that, that new dopamine hit than trying to drive our car safely. And I don't even think we're consciously choosing this. And that is then the problem. That's the biggest problem of all, really, is that it's such an addiction. We don't even realize most of the time that we're checking our phone. I mean, how many times have you caught yourself where you just kind of have this itch? You know, it's just like just like when you go to the refrigerator, right? And you open up the fridge and you're just looking for something to eat because you're bored or, or whatever it is. You're anxious. And so you're just like, give me some junk food or whatever. And, you open, and you're in the fridge and then... And then you realize, wait, why, why am I in the fridge? I, I don't even remember going and opening the door. You just did it automatically, right? I mean, that's so much the case now with our phones. I mean, how many times, I mean, you go to a store, you see people in line. How many people in line are, are on their phone? Or in an elevator, you're on your phone. Or you're on a plane, you're on your phone. You know, my previous books, I, 101 Questions You Need to Ask in Your 20s, I talked about the death of awkward how we're, we're trying to kill all these awkward moments and fill them with our phone. Just trying to fill that space with anything, just something, Get pull something up on the phone so I don't have to talk to this person sitting next to me on the plane or on the elevator or in the grocery line or whatever it might be, right? But then we're also removing all these kind of instances of this unexpected, unexpected amazing that could be taking place. Right. And I, I've told stories like this before, but, you know, there's been times and one story that I talk about in my 101 questions book where I sat to next to somebody on a plane. Uh, I chose not to get on my phone or whatever. I just chose to struck up a conversation. You know, a long story short is that that person was then boyfriends with a, you know, a, she was the girlfriend of a, a Hollywood manager. They connected me to start working on a TV sitcom, started getting interest, you know, all these things that came out. Uh, Sasha, uh, Sasha Patrice, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, uh, from Pretty Little Liars. She was an actress. I was able to meet her at a party. She got, I sent her my 101 Secrets book, not even really knowing who she was. And then she tweets out a picture of it and a line from my book. And, and my phone literally is like exploding, uh, with people responding and stuff. I mean, it's just this long story of basically you could go all the way back to that airplane ride of me just striking up a conversation with this, with this gal, just having a great time talking to her and the, and the, and the college student in the middle of us too, we're all talking, but just what that conversation then led to, but how that wouldn't have taken place if I would have just done the typical kind of put on my headphones, shut myself in this little world. Cause I don't want to connect with anybody in the real world. Let me just connect with people in my digital world. And that, and that's what I wrote about in 101 secrets or twenties, just the, the paradox that we are the uh, let me find the, the quote here. I, I, it's interesting when you're quoting yourself and you can't remember the quote. 
But uh, I wrote that there were the most connected, plugged in, engaged, informed, yet insanely isolated and lonely generation in the history of the universe. How can this be? I mean, isn't that wild? I mean, and Sherry Turkle, who's a much more accomplished social scientist, psychiatrist than than I am, obviously, because I'm neither a psychiatrist or social scientist. But she wrote in, in great books like Reclaiming Conversations that if we can never be alone, we'll be lonely. If we can never be alone, we're going to be lonely. And isn't that the case? I mean, when we go to these places, like if you go to a, a playground and you see kids playing and you see the parents kind of sitting on the outside, more likely than not, pretty much all the parents are going to be on their phones, right? It's like the parents are there physically, but we're not really there mentally or emotionally uh, we're not really paying attention to anything. So then the playground becomes like this Lord of the Flies experience where all the kids are like taking over and there's the ringleader and they're like trying to kill small animals all together and form a little band and, and create a mutiny and try to break out and whipping off their diapers and just like throwing them in ecstasy um, because no pa- parents don't even know what's going on. They're like, what? Wait, oh, what? Oh, yeah, go for it. Just, yeah, just be home by dinner. You know, just please don't bug me while I'm on my phone. And I get it. I, I've been a parent of small kids for many years, and I get it's lonely at times. You're not having a lot of human, not human, you are interacting with humans, but adult human interaction. And so we go to our phone, it's that pull of, I want to be connected. I feel so lonely, I want to be connected. But I know what it feels like most of the time that you're on your phone, you're just scrolling through stuff, and it's just, it, it, it's like you're trying to scratch that itch, but it's just making that itch spread. Like you feel lonely and so you get on the phone and you leave the phone and you feel more lonely. I mean, how many times have we gone on social media, your Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is? Do you ever go on and you're on it for a while and you're scrolling through and you're looking at all the different things? Do you ever leave that experience and think to yourself, wow, I feel, I feel so much better. I feel energetic. I feel alive. I feel confident. I, I feel ready to tackle the challenges of my day after scrolling through Instagram for 15 minutes. No, I mean, I don't think many of us feel that way, right? You, you leave feeling more anxious, more depressed. You, you feel lazy or lethargic or just more confused or you, you don't even know where the time's been. You thought you were on the phone for five minutes and it was an hour. I mean, this is a real problem. Obsessive connection disorder is a real problem. I mean, I had a friend that was already kind of struggling with this. And maybe you know a friend like this. Maybe you are this friend where they don't, they've kind of lost the ability to even know when they're looking at their phone or not, right? Where you literally will be talking to them and then all of a sudden they're just down on their, looking at their phone. You know, they got buzzed or even if they didn't get buzzed, they're just looking at their phone and and you know, you've lost them, right? You, you know, you, you, I've pretty much learned, like, I just stopped talking. Like, there's no point. Why, why even go through this act of having this conversation when I know this person is just not listening anymore. They do not care. They've shown me where I stand in the importance, uh, you know, spectrum here. And I'm like number seven and phone is like number one. So I'm not even close to, to penetrating the, the consciousness of this person. So it was already bad for this person before, but then he got a smartwatch. And oh my gosh, did that take that problem, that obsessive connection disorder to a whole new level? Because now, I mean, just now he was wearing it. And just the simple fact that it was now on his skin just amplified that tenfold. So now he was feeling every little buzz, every little thing, and he was constantly, now it was just a quicker little pull up to his, you know, wrist, 
and, and you just stare at me, just be gone. You just lose them. You're just done. I mean, I, I would, that would be the end of our coffee conversation many times where all of a sudden he's on the watch and then I, I would just jump on my phone and just wouldn't talk again until we had to go pretty much, you know? And I mean, it's, a, and, and, and people are realizing what a big issue this is, right? And I talked about this some, and I, I write about this extensively in my new book, 25 Lies, 20 Somethings to Stop Believing. Sales pitch, ho, comes out March 2021. Uh, but I write about all the different data and all the different people that are coming out and speaking out against how addictive our phones are and how purposefully addictive all this is. You know, that they made it, obviously, to be addictive. These weren't created with altruistic, maybe they were created with altruistic hopes and goals, but really when it came down to it, they created it so that you would spend more time on each social media platform, on each app, whatever it might be. So much so that two of Apple's biggest investors, Jana and CalStars, which control about $2 control about two billion worth of Apple's shares, as cited in CNNBC, wrote a letter imploring Apple, and I quote, to study the impact of excessive phone use on mental health. It is no secret that social media sites and applications for which the iPhone and iPad are a primary gateway are usually designed to be as addictive and time-consuming as possible, and many of their original creators have publicly acknowledged this. This is what two of the biggest investors of the iPhone are imploring Apple to, they got you gotta do something about this. This is having a huge negative impact on our children, on our society. And if you've watched new documentaries that have come out, like The Social Dilemma, I, I encourage you to check that out. I mean, it's gonna have its things you disagree with, things you might agree with, but it raises a good conversation nonetheless, where basically all these, a lot of the originators, a lot of the creators of, you know, Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever, who started realizing, hey, I don't like the effects that this is having on our society. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And they broke off. It was really interesting to hear the perspective and them kind of sounding the alarm on where this is taking us as a society that we're so heavily addicted and consumed by what I call obsessive connection disorder, that we constantly feel this need that I have to be connected all the time, every day. It's overwhelming, right? I mean, before, you know, Neil Postman, he wrote this famous book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And he wrote it in 1985 when referencing our addiction to television. So things like Sesame Street and the nightly news and what it was doing to our brains and um, the ill effects of that. Well, gosh, now we're not necessarily even amusing ourselves to death. We're not even that amused when we're on our phones. It's just an addiction. I mean, we're just headlining ourselves to death or informing ourselves to death or distracting ourselves to death from our real world that we don't want to face. We're just constantly ducking away and hiding away in our phones like we can't be seen. We're distracting ourselves now from all our distractions. Right now, it's like you can't even make it through a TV show. You don't. Even, we don't even have the attention span for that. It's like that 23 minutes of TV time. How many times are we checking our phone during that TV show? So we're distracting ourselves away from the thing that we're distracting ourselves with. It just is ongoing, you know? Like, I applaud my kids sometimes now if they can actually watch a Sesame Street episode all the way through. It's like, wow, that was amazing. Way to have that perseverance and fortitude. Instead of watching another 
random YouTube channel from China or some mystery eggs being broken up and then some toy coming out and just this random just gibberish that is like the, the lowest of the low bar of mental capability to, to focus on this because it's so silly and just pointless, really. So we have to we have to think about this. We have to talk about this. We have to catch ourselves. And what are the takeaways or action steps from this? I mean, gosh, there's so many. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's things you can put on your phone that will show you how much time you've been spending. And I don't know if you've ever done that, but that is alarming when you put that setting on that says, yeah, track my time. For me, it always feels like, no, they're off. Like, no, that that's wrong. There's no way I was on seven hours today. I mean, I was only awake for what? 12 hours? 13 and I was on my phone for three-fourths of it, you know, but we could put those things on that would help when we're trying to figure out how much time are we spending on the phone. And there's been numerous studies that have shown that just the act of taking a walk, going outside in nature, looking around at the trees, being in that peace and quiet, getting away from city life and all the noises and distractions, that that has so many positive effects on our anxiety, on people that are struggling with depression, these kind of things, how they are positively affected by just going on a simple walk. You know, and that's some of the takeaways here um, as I think about what do we do with all this. And again, I write about this a lot more in, in the new book, 25 Lies, 20-somethings need to stop believing. Um, but basically, I don't, I don't want to live a two-fifths existence. Because really, that's all the phone is right now, right? I mean, it's not even all our senses. It's this, you know, sense of sight. We can see it. Maybe it's, I mean, it's not really a sense of touch. It's not like you're touching that sofa you're looking at and all of a sudden you can feel the sofa on your phone. At least not yet, right? Maybe the, the, you know, the sense of hearing, you can maybe hear the video or as you're watching. But really, I mean, it's usually about a two-fifths existence. So what happens as the technology evolves, as it's doing, as the goggles are coming out and the augmented reality or whatever it is, what happens when it's three-fifths of your senses, four, five of your senses are being involved in this new technology? Are we going to be able to even tell the difference between our physical and digital world? You know, it becomes a sci-fi movie of uh, Ready Player One or or this, uh, watching Her. I don't know if you've watched Her with Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, it's just kind of this depressing, in a way, movie, but you can see how this could become reality for some of us where uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character is falling in love and falls in love with his AI system because the AI system knows him better than anybody else. And so he falls in love with it and the problems that ensue when you fall in love with your machine. But I don't want to just live a two-fifths existence. I want to live a whole, healthy I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be depressed. I don't want to be just constantly consumed with whatever gibberish, whatever new headline, whatever new sky is falling type thing that is happening every day, shouting at us, just notifying us to death that we need to take a look. And that's one thing you can do is just turn off your notifications at least. So it's not constantly buzzing in your pocket, which is like that Pavlonian, you know, bell that's just making you look at it without even realizing it. We have to take control of our phone because too many of us are being controlled by it. And it is getting that serious. So I'll probably be talking more about this in other episodes because really this is one of the biggest lies that I feel like 
as a generation, as a society, we are struggling with right now is this obsessive connection disorder and the effects it's having on us. So the lie is we need to constantly be connected. You don't. We don't need to be constantly connected. What we need to be doing is be living in the here, the now, the present, the physical, the real, having conversations with people that are right in front of us, taking a walk, praying. These things will never go out of style as far as being healthy things that we can do. So let's be radical and do some of these age-old truths instead of constantly being headlined, informed, distracted to death. Thanks, everybody. This is Paul Ingoni, the All Grown Up Podcast. Have a blessed day. All Grown Up.